And I just have to say, between myself, Mike, Corey, and Steven, this episode is going to be every man for himself. Um, we got some scatterbrains all over the board. No, not not really. We're just sitting here killing bunnies and looking out the window. No, we're really not killing bunnies either. <laughs> all right. Oh, great. This is going to be a wonderful episode. No, this is episode 52. We're talking about every man for himself and uh, looking forward to that. And you can find me on Twitter at the DC Mike. And uh, Corey, how are you? And where can we talk to you on Twitter? Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm uh, hippity hoppity over here. Just hey. loving. <laughs> Not bunny number eight. <laughs> Just, yeah, like that bunny. And uh, you guys can find me on Twitter for all of the bunny conversations uh, at Original Mav. So, you know, look me up there. And the one who, who, I don't know. I was going to say something bad about bunnies again, but Stephen, <laughs> where can we find you on Twitter? The one who shakes bunny cages. <laughs> that just sounds horrible. Uh, you can find me at Lucky Thirteen Steve, where we do not endorse violence to any animals, great or small. That'd be that'd be good because like our our only two listeners are probably bunny lovers, and we just lost them. And uh, it was great. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Well, listen, we're just going to dig right into this episode. Um, you've heard our spiel before, so you should know where we're at. But we're uh, we're going to dig right into this episode. I, th- I think I think it'll be interesting. So, every man for himself. We have been on this island now for 70 to 71 days in this episode. Uh, previously on Lost, in a holding cell, Ben tells Jack that all he wants from him is patience. The others escort Sawyer and Kate along a path. They cross paths with Colleen's team, and Pickett tells her to be careful and kisses her on the cheek. At the quarry, Pickett tells Sawyer to move rocks. <laughs> Pickett hits Sawyer with a rifle, and Sawyer punches him. A group of others board the Elizabeth from the water. Colleen tells Son they will become the enemy if she is shot, and Son shoots Colleen in the stomach. Um, and we much debated this two episodes ago, whether it was an accident or whether it was a, a full-on shot by Sun, but we won't rehash that again. So, Corey, tell us a little bit about this episode. Yes, yeah, so as we said, Season 3, Episode 4 uh, aired October 25th, 2006. Uh, it was directed by Stephen Williams, written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Uh, the summary is as follows. Sawyer's rebellious attitude causes Ben and the others to conjure up a plan to keep him in check. At the beach, Desmond starts uh, to mysteriously seek certain items for some kind of construction. <laughs> that was According hilarious to, way to word that. <laughs> Just take, take, take the five iron. I won't need that one. Is, I is, will, that, I, is that art? Is it art? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll give them credit here with this uh, description. Like, 
it's really hard to say anything about this without like, giving it away. Like he's trying yeah, to build the structure to save her. Like, yeah. So they had to tiptoe around that. <laughs> Seek certain items. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. We got some episode facts. Um, this is the first episode to reference Clementine Phillips. Although Cassidy shows Sawyer a photo, she is not seen in person until the season five episode. Whatever happened, happened. Wow. And this is the last Sawyer-centric episode until the season five episode, Le Fleur. Which, uh, that is amazing. Th- that is, because Sawyer was one of the most prominent people who get flashbacks for the last two seasons. So I'm kind of surprised we have a little gap here. Little <laughs> gap? It's like almost two full seasons <laughs> two, before we see it, him again. It, it, it is. You know what? It's a shame, but at the same time, you got to say, like, Sawyer's flashbacks are all good. There's no, like, bad Sawyer flashback. Sometimes, you know, you got to be concise. You know, like, less is more. (laughs) So not as many duds when you... We've already seen we've already seen him do the same con like three or four different ways. I guess there's only so many different ways you can show that suitcase con... Yeah, well, you could show it. Yeah, a, we'll see it yet again um, in season six. But uh, I mean, in Lafleur, he's not really. It's not a flashback. It's season five, so it's a different type of. I mean, it's still a flashback, but a different type. Yeah. So yeah, it's you know it's interesting, but I, I do think you get some good stuff out of Sawyer's backstory because there's less of it. They don't have to like drudge into like. Sawyer took a weekend, uh, you know, down to Miami and like whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, fl- no flying kites and getting <laughs> tattoos. What are you talking about? Oh, all right. Well, let's talk about the episode then. Uh, let's talk. Then we're going to talk about Sawyer. Let's go ahead and move on into his flashbacks. What did you guys think of his flashback in this episode? He's in prison, stealing money, sending money, everything else. What y'all think? Yeah, so I, I'm a big, uh, big Shawshank Redemption fan. Yeah, I, I kind of got some Shawshank vibes out of this. Yeah, it's not like the most amazing thing, but I enjoyed this flashback. I, you know, I always, it can be a little confusing. You're like, wait, he's locked up. Like, when was he? Like, it's a little, but you know, once by the end of the episode, it all makes sense. It all comes together. I think we briefly talked about this uh, last episode, kind of, and and regards to Locke in the fallout there it was nice to see that there was kind of a follow-up to Sawyer's issues with Clementine because this is him after he pulled kind of like the fake pigeon drop and then full-on he like you know he he did the full-on con of her and got a ton of money we learn that he's in jail now because of that con so I like that you follow up on that and then obviously sorry did I call her the wrong name, not Clementine. Clementine's a uh, yeah. Cassidy. It was Cassidy. Yeah, Cassidy. So my my only my only negative though is that I would have liked to see how he got caught. Yeah, that would have been a good moment. Like him I mean, it's not necessary, it's, but I would have liked to seen how 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 did he get caught to begin with by Cassidy, and and get caught by the police. So, well, I gotta I gotta say. I love this flashback, and I think I think part of it is the actors they had in it. I I don't know if you guys ever saw Cougar Town. By the way, 
Cougar Town. Uh, only Cox. references uh, I have are from Community. Community. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about Cougar Town. Uh, I've seen a few episodes. I do remember it. Yeah. Ian Gomez, who who plays the prisoner who you know stole the money. It. I just love this actor. He is. He's so good. He's so funny. I loved him in Cougar Town, and it was fun seeing him here before Cougar Town. Um, the guy who played the warden, I, you know, is just, uh, I mean, Phenomenal, talk about, actually. yeah, I mean, talk about just, uh, imposing presence and just standing there, just chewing an apple and dropping it on the floor he, and making him pick. I mean, you know, he was just so good in this role. He, he plays, uh, um, I don't know if you've seen Black Lightning, but he plays one of the main villains last season in Black Lightning as well. And he has the exact same kind of imposing presence as in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, he is. I haven't seen Black Lightning, but I, I did. I really enjoyed him in this episode for sure. So I, I think both of those actors did a great job. Um, I, I thought it was an interesting story. I mean, again, it's it's always kind of fun when you get to see. Sawyer at work conning people doing what he does best is kind of how he played this guy and you know you don't kind of realize he's working for the warden until the end it's kind of a nice payoff to that I, I liked everything about this flashback I I really enjoyed it yeah and, and I'll, I want to compare it to the last episode because we talked about how with Locke's flashback there were just like no good like other care like character. There was like the Eddie character, one interesting character, and then like the rest of them like no. There was just didn't care about them at all. This is like the exact opposite, where it's not like these characters have a ton of screen time, but the warden is like a really interesting character, really mm-hmm. chilling. Uh, I think Munson, you know the Costanza guy, uh, <laughs> he's great. I mean that little the 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 guy he's like the guy he's fighting with at the beginning. Uh, the who's like his friend who's like helping him out like that guy seemed interesting like a lot of interesting uh like relationships here for sawyer and he talks to cassidy learns about clementine like this had several really interesting interactions uh and just can show you the difference between like one flashback to another like there's a this felt like really delved you know really there's a lot of detail to it so it, after the last three episodes, you know, they I really haven't liked the flashbacks to start season three. I thought this was a nice change of pace. You know, yes. we saw we saw Jack in a horrible spot. We saw Sun, you know, doing some not great things. One of Locke's weaker flashbacks. And then we get this one here that I, that I really thought was enjoyable. Yeah, and it actually was it was kind of cool. Like, oh, well, this makes sense that Sawyer actually got caught and put away for some time with the stuff he was doing but then of course you like wonder like well if he got put away like you know how did he end up on the flight and stuff and of course we hear this cool story of you know how he you know got a sentence commuted and i don't know if i missed the spot at the beginning i wasn't paying close enough attention when he like when they put him on the job to do this or do they not show that they just they didn't show i don't think they show it Okay, that's right. Okay, I didn't mess it then. It was. Yeah, they didn't. They, they, they didn't show. I, I liked the end where the warden says, "Congratulations, uh, James. You have lied and cheated and stole your way out of prison." And the only thing I that kept coming to mind was, you know, the Suicide Squad because that's that's what they technically do. They they lie, cheat, and steal everything. 
and they get to, to save the world, quote unquote, and they uh and they get time knocked off their sentence. So it's 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 <laughs> yeah. just. Well, I I mean I I don't know a lot about the criminal justice system, but this seems far fetched. It doesn't like I wouldn't assume they usually do this for criminal. I could be wrong, you know, just to to collect some IRS money, they're gonna let somebody. Well, out of jail some. for six it's years. Ten, I, I don't know how it works. Dollars. I know, but do they just get you know let you you know I mean, get out of your sentence? Well, I think it's only reflective of based on your crime. So if right. you conned money from people, you have to give money back. You know, <laughs> if you uh, murder somebody, you have to let somebody murder you. <laughs> if you no. did, if you did illicit <laughs> drugs, you have to. Help someone get off truck. I don't know. Right. No. But <laughs> it's I, a weird system of like undoing I, your own I, crimes. I, I agree that that it seems very awkward, Stephen. But I will say that I could see this passing and allowing it to happen based on the extent of what needs to be done and how low Sawyer's crime actually was, because it was pretty much stealing money, is what he did. As uh, compared to Hey, we know you've murdered like nine people, but we need you to help with this crime, and we're gonna let you go free if you, you know, if you help us with this. You know, I, I can I can swallow more of, hey, look, you con people, you stole money, you help us, we'll let you go free. I can I can see that happening depending on the amount. Like if it was like a million dollars, I can see them not doing it. But when you're talking about like ten million dollars from the from from the Federal Reserve, somebody gonna know that mess missing. Yeah. And and that's a big chunk of money, but um but anyways, yeah, all my all my uh knowledge on this is from like watching CSI and uh like Law and Order <laughs> and they you know, they will like give people deals all the time and sometimes it seems like you like gave that guy a deal and he got charged with nothing because he gave information. It's so, like I don't but that's another TV show, so I don't I don't know how realistic that is. Um I, I did have one other question too. As as I'm, you know, said how much I love this flashback. Now I'm going to, you know, question it. But the the part the the actual theory behind the con that you're gonna that he was going to get this guy to confide in him where he hid the money so that he could help him keep the warden from getting it. What if Sawyer was just a prisoner, you know, in prison with him? How was Sawyer supposed to help move this money? to keep it away from his wife. Like what, what could Sawyer do being in prison? Why would this guy tell him where it was at? I'm pretty sure Sawyer's probably got connections. I mean, there, there's, he's probably moved a lot of money before. Well, I was thinking like maybe he was up for parole soon or something like that, where, um, you know, or maybe he just kind of deceived the guy to make it seem like he was going to get out sooner. Yeah. That is a good question that uh, I don't really know how he would help. Yeah. Uh, I think it's notable. Uh, he's obviously reading of mice and men in one of these scenes here. Yep. And that's going to come back to play. I mean, I, I'll just mention it. I mean, I love that Sawyer does a lot of reading. Uh, I wonder if he, this is where he like got into that um, hobby when he was doing jail time. Like what else are you going to do? But read a lot. So could have right. been the start of this. And the funny little tie-over is uh, crossover. In like season one, he's reading 
the book about uh, Watership Down. It's you know, it's about bunnies. Like that's his kind of like famous <laughs> you know, line there. And then we have this episode that's kind of about bunnies. So, uh, and that's we funny. there's a reference to puppies that you know <laughs> meet their fate in uh, that book. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever read it, spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> poor puppies. Yeah. All right, so let's oh. talk about the camp then, or where Losties are. Um, I, I appreciate Desmond keeping an eye out for Claire and the baby as he's building his art sculpture. Yeah, this is this is probably <laughs> the smallest, <laughs> the smallest chunk of time we've ever spent besides like zero time, but like the closest with that being zero, smallest time we've ever spent with the Losties. <laughs> Like it's like a one minute scene at the beginning and then like another one minute scene at the end, right? Is that it's, well there is also this there was a scene where he gets the golf club from Paolo as well. Oh that's okay. There are maybe there's a couple more. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean there. I mean all, all all the interesting people are, you know, caged up by the others right now. <laughs> yeah. That's so but, but I, I got I gotta say, I I did leave with the question of what was Hurley eating his fruit out of, and where did he get it? Did you guys notice the bowl, kind of cone-shaped cool. bowl he was eating his fruit salad out of? Yeah, that was sweet. Oh, they, they could serve that to me, like, you know, at the resort in, the you know, whatever, in Vegas or something. <laughs> take take that, one that of was, those. That was pretty sweet. Well, um, maybe, maybe it was something in the, in the hatch, and he got it out before and just forgot to return it before the hatch went boom, boom. <laughs> I, I thought he could have made it out of like a weird, you know, thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't really tell what, what it thing. was. It, it did almost look like something they would have made, but or like a fruit, you know, <laughs> some sort of shell thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, but my other comment, I think, on the the little loss, or the the camp scene was when he finally built this structure that got struck by lightning. It was still very close to the baby, like I. You know, nobody got hurt, and it's kind of a cool story. But I still feel like he could have directed that lightning a little bit further away from the camp or figured out some other way to get the baby out of the bed just in case. Um, yeah. Because it, it was still very close. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, that was his experiment. <laughs> he's in a mission. <laughs> but but now, now he's got to rebuild the whole art project. I well, mean... Isn't it true? Once it's grounded, though, it doesn't do you any harm, really. Like once it hits the ground. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's well. Th that's why he wrapped the cord and dug, dug the cord into the sand, and I mean, and slammed the cord into the sand that way, or the wire. That way, when it hit the iron, the electric current would go straight to the ground from the wires, and it'd be harmless. Yeah, I, I get what Steven's saying though. Like, if you really felt like they were gonna die, like maybe just come out with the truth right now and be like, yo, like you got to well, I mean, that. He, 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 he'd get weird looks though. And that's probably why he didn't do it. I mean, yeah, he so, was a crazy guy running around the jungle naked earlier. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, so that, there is a interesting scene, which like completely was expelled from my memory uh, of, of Apollo uh, playing golf <laughs> on the shore. <laughs> favorite character anything when nikki <laughs> paulo gets the sponge from our memories and i think okay <laughs> last episode of uh, the podcast we i briefly was talking about how i've been re-watching some old survivor 
And so I'm sitting here watching this guy. He's just hitting all these like small pieces of fruit, like launching them out into the, the ocean with his golf club. Like, dude, you can't waste a valuable resource like that. You got to. That's right. Do what you can to eat that fruit, you know. You gotta cook it, and I don't know. They have too much Dharma food that they're just like throw, like you know, using fruit as golf balls. Like, come on. Well, they well, were using it as target practice before, so yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, it's like it's it's so weird because they have no more hatch. They don't know how how often these food drops come, and they're just gorging on all this food. And just yeah. and wasting it, and it just it doesn't, you know, yeah. I I agree with you. I agree. Um, and and if Paolo was supposed to be there the whole time, why wasn't he in the golf scenes with with Michael and Jack and everybody when they built the golf course? It it I, it seems unlikely he wouldn't have joined in. Yeah, I mean we'll talk about Nikki and Paolo a lot this season, but. Just my little. If you're no, gonna insert 14, a character, done. <laughs> if you're gonna like add a new character, you got to give him like the Frogert treatment, where you immediately go, "Oh, I know why this guy wasn't around." Like nobody, this nobody wanted to talk to you know, uh, Leslie, the uh, uh, arts, the the teacher. Like he was like obnoxious and like you know maybe not the best uh, you know adventurer in the jungle. You know he's not like fit like Saeed or whatever. There's like a reason why you get why that person wasn't involved in like the previous but yeah like two really fit people that could go on every adventure yeah we just we were over our over here on this side of the beach you know <laughs> my goodness my goodness <laughs> he's also very selfish about his clubs so he only is willing to give away like what the five iron <clears throat> yeah the one the, the one he doesn't need <laughs> yeah because he's like you're i'm gonna find it in the junk so they, they try to explain it like they try to make him basically i mean i don't think it's the best exposition but he's, he's kind of trying to say like oh like you guys go off in the jungle and do dumb things and you die uh and i just chill here at the beach and like hit hit these like this fruit into the the ocean so they try to explain it that way but i just i don't think it lands that well and I get what they're doing, but yeah. All right. So the part we really want to talk about, we've talked about Losty's camp. We've talked about the uh, Sawyer flashbacks. Anything of those two before we head over to Hydra Island? I mean, I'll just say again, I think I said it last episode. I was like kind of confused about this storyline when I first watched it. Like, yeah, as a teenager or whatever. I was like, what? Like, no, he sees the future, but kind of like, I didn't quite get it. So, I, I love the whole build up with with the Desmond stuff. It's it's great. Uh, I do. I I love how much more involved Desmond becomes as the season progresses. Like like you really see him become part of this group immediately. Um, and I, I think he shines more because we have all these other people, you know, locked up on Hydra Island. So right. And you have you almost have to have somebody because you know let let's let's look at it from a storytelling perspective. If you have if you have Sawyer, Kate, and Jack, your three mains, all you know, locked up on an island, you you need somebody to carry the story at the, at the Lost Camp. Yeah, and you then know. Saeed, Sun, and Jin are gone for a little bit. They'll be back right. probably soon. Charlie is not not going to carry the story. 
Locke can't do it by himself. I mean, he, he could, but Locke's got his own things going on right now. So somebody had to step up. So you got Hurley and Desmond kind of running. I hate to say running the show, but that's an odd couple to run the show. But hey, um, so. It is, but they at least they have the same wardrobe. No. Yes. Share, share a, a tie-dye shirt. <laughs> so funny. All right. Uh, Hydra Island. I want to talk about Hydra Island because there were some really good things that happened on Hydra Island I really liked. Um, good first stuff of all, with Jack as well as Sawyer. Huh? I said there's good stuff with Jack as well as Sawyer's right. story. Is Sawyer and, 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 and but the whole stuff with Sawyer and Kate was really <laughs> good in this episode, though, with him together. Um, so let's talk about Jack then first. Yeah, I, I love the... I love that Jack finally gets out of this stupid, like, it's not stupid, but like, he finally gets out of this room, you know, at some point in this episode, because uh, he's been in the shark cage all season. And I, okay, the beginning is great, though, because I don't think I ever noticed this before, but he's trying to pull a Henry Gale on Juliet. Like, he's he's trying to do the whole thing when Henry Gale, you know, Ben Linus was like, why do you let the doctor run the show? Like, the doctor's in charge. He's trying to do the same thing with Juliet. He's like, so why? Uh, so he's the one in charge. Why can't I just talk to him? Like, well, why did he uh, make the decision when he had the 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 plate, the broken plate at your, or I had the broken plate at your throat? Like, he's just trying to play the mind games with Juliet. Obviously, Juliet is a little oh, bit more prepared that for crap it. Down. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it did. But at the, at the same time, Ben really walks in as an as an inopportune time for Juliet there when she's trying to yeah. make the point that they make decisions together, and then he comes barging in, telling her what to do. Really bad timing for Juliet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she tries to go. Hey, can I can I have a minute? And he's no, no, we got to do this now. <laughs> so it's just it's a fun and, way to start it. Oh yeah. And so we find out like that like Colleen's been shot. Obviously, we knew she's been shot, but she's been brought back. I, 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 and then eventually Juliet comes back and gets Jack and says, "I need your help." And he's asking about the blood. I do like in the operation scene and in that scene the more vulnerability and openness we see in Juliet toward Jack. Like we see her breaking down a little bit. Um, she's desperate. She tells him, you know, I'm just a fertility doctor. So we see a little bit more about Juliet, about her backstory, but we also kind of, we see a little bit more of, of, of her opening up in that area. Yeah. It, it's starting to plant the seeds for what will be, uh, you know, Juliet's attempt to kind of like really make a offer to Jack. Right. Yeah. In a couple episodes. She's, she's like trying to be a little human here, and Jack is not having any. At the end, Jack is like, "Oh, you thought I cared about your feelings? I don't." <laughs> right. Oh, we oh pff, we know he does. Come on, uh, we we, we she, know he does. You think I said that to make you feel better? No, that's a fact. She was dead when you brought her in here. Like so, she was. He's like, no, I'm not trying to make you feel good, which is right. great. <laughs> Okay, so we talked about Colleen, you know, she gets, you know, brought in, it's like crazy rush, and Sawyer, I can't remember what, he's like in the midst of, of talking crap to Danny, to Pickett, and he's, he's like talking smack about, oh, you can't, like, 
You got a little sniffle. You can't talk out of your nose because Sawyer, you know, beat him with the butt of the rifle the previous episode or a couple episodes before. And so he's already like had it in. He's like getting ready to get beat up. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Colleen gets pulled away. And so Sawyer, you know, the, everything starts really, uh, you know, the light bulb goes off, really starts ticking for him. He's like, ooh, I can come up with this whole other plan. I mean. I noticed, Mike, you wrote down you really like his plan. What did you What did you think of the uh, – was it the electroshock kind of yeah, plan yeah. he's got? Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought the electrical shock one was actually a really ingenious move um, by Sawyer. It was very interesting when he said, you know, I could take the shock. He said, but it's going to catch the other guy off guard, which it would have. Um, however, <laughs> he did not know they had cameras. So that, so that kind of screwed him up. And I did like how Ben – knew what Sawyer was doing and purposely stepped in the water and then just opens the cage up and just starts beating the crap out of Sawyer with the with the with the baton. That was awesome to me. Well, I gotta say I was always impressed by the little baton weapon because you know you look at it at Ben and he doesn't look like that imposing of a guy. You know he's He's good with his word, but you don't expect him to be a physical presence. And then he just pulls out this little baton and just whips the crap out of Sawyer. You know, like he's really kind of scary with that baton. I always thought that was a good choice of of weapon for the for the villain here. Yeah, uh, this scene it was kind of freaky. Uh, I mean, it's it it's kind of like fun to see it now, like knowing you know where everything goes. But I remember when I first watched this, like. Uh, ben, I mean, already creeped the heck out of, you know, everybody, but then he has this little baton and I don't know if he, does he use it much more? I think he uses it a, a couple other times maybe, but this is the main time and it always kind of, uh, you know, stayed with me like, oh yeah, he could like whip out that baton and like the, the, um, kind of the element of surprise is a big part of that weapon. Cause you don't really see it coming. He's got a, you know, hidden and then pulls it out and hits you before you really, uh know what happened but know what hit you <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so yeah that, i mean he's brutal with that and i think ben a lot of this episode is kind of like ben to a degree puffing his chest to like show us as the viewers like this is what i'm capable of like yeah a lot of this first chunk of the season is about us getting to kind of know ben and the others and like build up a little more fear and like animosity towards them. And so Ben, he uses the physical, you know, aspect to beat the crap out of Sawyer, but he mainly uses the mental aspect to mess with Sawyer in this episode and show him how like, yo, I'm the best at the mind game. So don't even try with me, Sawyer, with your cons and your lies so, and stuff. So, okay. Since we're talking about mind games now with Ben. All right. First of all, that was a really big needle. Um, and, 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 uh, and, and we, we talk about, so he, he says he put a pacemaker in and then he comes back and says that he didn't. And then he comes back and says, well, did I? And he just plays his mind game. So do you think he actually had anything in him or not? No, absolutely. I mean, he, he said he did. I think he admitted by the end that, that, you know, they were, he was just doing that to keep him in line. I mean, I, I don't or think. Well, he he did say that, but then he said, "Or am I?" And 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 it's it's left unopened whether or not he really did put that pacemaker in him. No, I, 
I think he, I think I think he infused him with a vial of the smoke monster. So that's probably. <laughs> well, I mean, it it was it was such a good con by by Ben if he did do it the way. The way those two guys, you know, that were sticking that huge needle in him, and he said, you know, just like you see in the movie, you know, <laughs> like you put yourself in Sawyer's spot. He's biting down on this stick. These guys don't know what they're doing, jamming a needle into his chest. You know, I mean, they really, you know, play it up there and, and really mess with him. And Okay, so... I'm looking at the transcript. So y'all, y'all, y'all just, y'all just keep going. I'm looking at well, the transcript. Well, I would say like this is another one of those where upon rewatch, it's much more noticeable, like the twist. Like you don't catch on to these little twists when you first watch uh, a movie or episode of something. And yeah, the fact that they're like two seemingly really unexperienced guys, they're in like a room that does not seem equipped for medical procedures at all. <laughs> Ju- Juliet is not there, which is a big tell to us. And yeah, these guys just stab him with a needle, and then I guess you know presumably they're gonna move him and then do surgery and put this in there. So like looking back, like watching it and knowing what's gonna happen, it's like oh yeah, this is an easy you know trick. They just like just gonna let him sleep for a long time. Okay, I'm gonna read the end transcript. Okay, and here's why I thought okay maybe there's still some doubt or not. Now I I don't think they actually had one. I think it was actually doubt personally, but I could see how somebody would think it. So he's going up there. The the heart rate monitor starts beating. Sawyer says, "Bring me up here to kill me. Make that thing inside my inside of me blow up, blow my heart up." Ben says, "Your heart's not gonna blow up, James. The only thing we put inside you was doubt." Oh, the watch is a heart rate monitor, but nothing else. He pulls the rabbit out. Look, we gave him a sedative, not a pacemaker. How do I know this is the same money that you didn't just paint an eight on another one? And Ben says, you, you and he, he says in this really eerie face, you don't. So, so he's still playing a little bit of mind games with Sawyer. And he's really cool. good at those mind games. I really don't think they actually gave him a pacemaker. But they kept you kind of thinking, is that the same bunny? If that's not the same bunny, does he still have a pacemaker in? So, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I, it really I, matters if the bunny is dead or alive, though. Either. <laughs> but I will say the best line in the entire series was when Ben shook the bunny and Sawyer said, "Did you just kill that bunny?" <laughs> yeah, that was great. I loved it. Uh, that, I mean, that was a really disturbing scene, too. I mean, it was so weird just shaking that cage. Like, what is he What is he doing? I mean, he's like talking to him like he's uh, what's the bunny in Alice in Wonderland? <laughs> time to go. Don't be late. Hippity hoppity. <laughs> oh, that was great. I mean, that, that poor bunny, too. You know, he, he, he's in a cage. He gets shook till he passes out. Then he has to go on a hike stuffed in, stuffed in a messenger bag. I mean, that poor bunny's having a rough couple days. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't shake anything unless it's a maraca. So. Um, <laughs> but, well, well, I just want to say one more thing about that scene, though. I think this is like the beginning of what is maybe not an extensive lost relationship, but it's fun. Like, this is one of the first times we get to see Sawyer and Ben interact in their, you know, kind of these specific roles. There may be Sawyer interacts a little bit with Henry Gale, but even so, not not much at all. 
so this is really the if, if ever honestly this is like their first time really interacting and it's a diff it's a fun vibe because it's like villain and like cowboy almost and sawyer's like you just really kill that bunny like you know and sawyer will like kind of put up like a a really hard like fight physically and like me- like mentally like i don't give a crap like i'll do whatever uh so it's it's a fun back and forth mm-hmm. and to see sawyer actually like dang this guy's cold like yeah you would you would yeah you'll enjoy this book it's like puppies die in it like you know it's <laughs> it's a great start to this relationship well and it was kind of great how you know not too often does somebody get the upper hand on sawyer and ben really did here you know he said, you know, he gains a con man's respect by conning him. Well, even even the conversation about the book where, you know, so- Sawyer made the comment, you know, don't you read because he didn't recognize of Mice and Men. And then Ben just flips it around on him by quoting the book again to him. And then he didn't get it. And then he asked, don't you read? So, I mean, yeah. Ben's really showing him here that he's got the upper hand on him. And I mean, I think it works. It says Sawyer doesn't meet his match very often, but he, I think he kind of did in this case. And it's actually a really powerful, uh, you know, couple uh, quotes there that he he says from of mice and men, like some of the like intense parts about you know being lonely and like find, having another person. Uh, and I thought it was really actually true to Ben's character, like what we're gonna learn about him later on from like some of Juliet's flashbacks and his flashbacks. And like, he's this guy who's this leader, but like he really is, you know, that struggles with this kind of like loneliness or whatever, like not having somebody. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're, they're trying to aim for sympathy for Ben yet, but it was kind of interesting how that quote to me related to his character. Yeah. I, I, I did like, I did like the, the um the bombshell at the end that they were on a smaller island and i thought that was one of the best kind of reveals in the in the series where ben says see now that's your island <laughs> so there is no way of escape here that was huge that was a cool moment it's underrated yes. uh you i forget about it too like with the first couple episodes here we've been saying hydra island over and over again um even though we've you know it hasn't even been uh, confirmed yet and uh now it's yeah it is a cool moment yeah it, uh, it, also notable <laughs> of course sawyer has to get a good punch in on ben like ben <laughs> dude, dude cannot go uh, like three episodes without getting punched in the face like yeah, the makeup art, the makeup artists for him, you know, plus their hearts, they're always adding bruises and <laughs> blood. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about uh, 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 blood boiling. Um, the chemistry and the discussions and conversations between Kate and Sawyer in this episode, I think, are some of the best we're going to get between these two. You have, you know, you have, you know, just a normal. You know, she, she, she's checking on him without after Pickett beat the crap out of him and he got the pacemaker and then she climbs out of the cage and he refuses to leave. And she really wonders, what did they do to him in there? And then, you know, Pickett comes out, beats the crap out of him and throws him against the cage. And, and then what happens after that? She says that she loves him and she says, no, I just did that to get him to stop hitting you. So we. 
it, it was intense. It, it really was. This is a great uh, Sawyer and Kate episode. And it makes me, like, watching this sequence of episodes, it, it makes me kind of, like, root for their relationship again. I forgot uh, how, my, how great they are together, uh, even, you know, at this point. And they have the, the season, this chemistry in the first couple of seasons, but, like, this is, like, a whole other level here. This is probably their, like, most, uh, you know, intense love yeah. for each other, even though she says she didn't mean it. But, yeah, this is a great, great episode that... You know, they've already kissed, I think, a couple times this season, and she, um, you know, she says, "Oh, I didn't mean it," but like, man, like Sawyer getting the crap beaten out beat beat out of him there, and <laughs> and and then yeah. it, she shows like like how much she like really cares by like when she's when she's going to break out, she says, "You know, the thing that has me most disturbed." is the fact that you're lying to me about what they did to you like that. The fact that you're afraid enough that you would lie about it like that is, is, uh, you scary. know, it's messing with me, you know, scary. And she, she does like really care about him. And she, she pulls, uh, herself out of the, what it is. It's a classic scene when she like climbs out of the cage, just like, of course, like, Hey, why don't I just climb out of this? Gets over there, she's like ready to beat the lock with a rock, and and uh, he's like, no, no, like don't do it. Um, she goes back in. She gives, you know, it's a little corny. Kate giving the line, but Sawyer asks, "Is every man for himself?" And she's got to give the uh, "Live together, die alone." Oh yeah, so. she brought Jack back into that love triangle for just a sec to let let, let Sawyer know Jack's still there. Jack's still there. Jack would be proud, definitely. By the way, we, we didn't talk about how they were. Of course, now I think I think we're going to see this later on, um, but we didn't talk about how when they brought Jack to go help Colleen, they put a bag over his head and put the, you know, turn the alarm on, and they're all screaming for Jack and trying to get Jack's attention, and he kind of stops for a second, but then they keep push, push, pushing him through and keep going. That's a cool scene. That's pretty intense. Like when they're like yelling and yelling, and it seems like Jack could hear them a little bit. You know, he stops there for a second. I thought even like to a little bit before that, when they actually bring Colleen's body through, you know, a dead body, uh, Sawyer is, you know, he's gleeful about this where, and Kate's a little <laughs> disturbed by that. Like, She's really like, you're Sawyer? happy. This woman is dead. And Sawyer's like, yeah, that just got, that's our ticket out of here, which Sawyer is kind of right. This ends up being, I mean, there's more to it. There's Juliet and, and uh, Jack and other people that help them escape Carl, Carl. But, but Colleen's death really is like the kind of like first domino. So Sawyer's right. Like, Hey, we'll, we'll be able to use this against that guy. Cause he's going to be an emotional mess after his girlfriend or wife or whoever, you know, dies. So, right. so here is not mourning Colleen at all. And he's like, Hey, that's one for us. Like that's a win for our team. Right. So. Well, anything else then, guys, before we head into the in memoriam? Uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say a little more you know, about the scene where Kate changes. And like, usually <laughs> the scene where the late woman changes and the guy's kind of peeking like, OK, whatever. But I actually, there was actually some good like character moments to that that yes. spot, too. <laughs> and it was pretty funny because because Sawyer is like trying not to look and then he looks over uh 
and Kate's, you know, back, bare back is like, you know, in his direction. And his heartbeat monitor just like starts going up and up and up. He just dumps the bucket of cold water on yeah. himself. <laughs> cool uh, down, big guy. Yeah, I was wondering, oh. did Sawyer invent the whole ice bucket challenge? Was he the first to do that? There we go. He, he was, was like 10 years first. ahead of it. That's it right there. I never would have thought about that. Yes, he invented the first ice bucket challenge. Uh, of course, I think his his was for a whole bunch of different reasons. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the the other thing we didn't really talk about was, and there wasn't much to it, but Jack, um, he's you know it was Jack is finally back in action at the you know as a doctor, which we haven't seen for a while. It's always fun having these kind of hospital esque scenes in Lost. Oh, and so yeah. he's trying to save Colleen, and he he's like very cut and dry about it too. He like does he seems like he's really trying to save her. Like he's like I gotta save her to this will help me or whatever. And then uh, you know they don't have they don't even have a AE what is it uh, AED the the paddles you know they don't even have the paddles mm-hmm. to like restart her heart which is like kind of basic. Um, does Juliet you know, say you know we we never needed stuff. them? Yeah. Well, you should have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, he's just like, oh, time of death. Uh, well, I guess it doesn't really matter because we're on an island. Who cares about the time of death? Right. <laughs> That's like low-key one of my favorite parts of the episode. Time of death. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. He looked around for a clock, though. There's there yeah. There's no clock in there. <laughs> old, old, habits, old habits. Old habits. Plus, like, time on the island, like, what what does... (laughs) That that scene did really take me back, though, to when Charlie got got hung from the tree. And and you can see the difference between the amount of work Jack puts in for, you know, someone he cares about versus not, you know? I mean, he, he gave Colleen a few pumps on the chest, but, I mean... Well, we counted on Charlie. What he he hit hit him like twenty twenty yeah, some times and brought him back to life. Banging on, yeah. And, you know, Colleen didn't get the didn't get the same <laughs> the same level of effort out of old Doctor Jack. No, no. I mean, she she did have a bullet in her, so it was a little more like <laughs> hopeless. <laughs> but <laughs> but yes, it, it's true. You know, one, one more thing about that scene that we saw kind of planted the seed. Uh, for future episodes coming. Um, but the fact that Jack saw the x-rays. Uh, of yeah, the that was, that was a very important, very important moment. Um, it, got, it made me wonder though, like, could you tell just from an x-ray, could, you know, about how old a guy is by looking at his spine? I, I mean, I don't know if, if that's just, if Jack's just really good at this stuff or if that's something all doctors would be able to do, but he could tell he was a, you know, about a 40 year old man just from looking at that x-ray for about, you know, five seconds. I think a good doctor could. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know how it works. I don't know. I know a bone specialist could, you know, identify <laughs> things like years, you know, from whatever millions of years ago. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess he, I guess that's something. Maybe he's like, oh, he, He's either 40 years old or he spends a lot of time like just tilting his neck up watching TV because his neck is really worn down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. But that was great. That was like Jack's first win of the season. Like he figures it out. 
and he screws up. I mean, we don't get Ben admitting it yet, but we will soon. He screws up their whole plan, and Ben's like, he'll he'll eventually say like, yeah, you weren't supposed to see that. This was supposed to happen. We were gonna break you down and break you to this point, and then, but uh, nope, Jack one one ups. Um, Got him. Do, do you think? Do you think? Um, Juliet left those out on purpose, though. You know, we we find out what Juliet's plan was. I, do you think she let? Obviously, Ben looked surprised when she brought Jack in. Um, do you think this was part of Juliet's plan, or did he actually just happen to see something he wasn't supposed to? I could see that she did it on purpose. Yeah, I kind of feel like she did. Like she may have they they were up there, and she probably was like oh you know i'm gonna just leave him there i could take him down but let him see him so <laughs> he deserves this junk yeah she, you know she's got club. a she's got a shady plan for ben so I, I i think ben is gonna accuse her of it and she's gonna deny it um one of these episodes so yeah i don't i don't know they, they, they handcuff jack to the whatever the gurney whatever the thing is uh, just, man, why don't you just stay here with the deceased, which is a little like messed up to have him just like next to the dead body. But because he's a doctor, probably doesn't bother him that much. Uh, she'll yeah. be Colleen for quite a while. Well, speaking of Colleen, I guess we should move into the in memoriam. But yeah, don't think yeah. we're going to see any more of Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, kinda, she was so great. She's such a great character while she's in on. all the scenes she was in. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Colleen, and uh, we'll, we'll remember you for 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 what you did. So, as we rate this this, this episode twenty three rating system, one out of twenty three passed out bunnies. So, how <laughs> many how many passed out bunnies do you give this episode, Corey? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this uh, 18 out of 23. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, I, I didn't really mention it while we talked about it. Like, the flashback was good. I do think you can feel, and people complained about it at the time, you can feel how this story is, like, is like kind of dragging a little bit. And, like I said, good stuff. But I actually liked a lot of the Hydra Island stuff better like when they were out working on the um, what the heck was the runway, the pick like th- that was really cool. And like now it's starting to get a little old, like it's not it's still good stuff, but I just prefer like the regular island uh, for the most part. So you know, yeah. I docked it a little bit, but it's a good episode. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It was just it was uh, solid, you know. Well, what oh, about you, Steven? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't say it uh, properly. Oh, 18 sorry, out of 23 passed out bunnies. 18 <laughs> out of 23. How many passed out bunnies about for you, Steven? I gave this one 20 out of 23 passed out bunnies. Um, I really liked the Sawyer flashback. Um, I liked, you know, we got some action on the island, I thought, or on the Hydra Island. I thought that was... Yeah, I liked most of that. Um, I like the Juliet Sawyer's or the Juliet Jack stuff, and I liked um, Ben and Sawyer's, you know, 
game here and kind of i like the ending that you know the seeing that they were on a different island all in all just thought it was a really really solid episode you learn you learn some new stuff and good flashback yeah i i agree uh i give it a 21 out of 23 though passed out bunnies it's definitely one of my higher episodes i really enjoy it you learn a lot you learn about the x-rays you learn about um ben's private life of killing bunnies you learn about the extra island you um you 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 just learn a lot and i think you see a lot of you see sawyer at his best you see kate breaking down i think you get a lot in this episode it's one of my favorites um so it's 21 out of 23 uh passed out bunnies oh poor bunny number eight Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's also interesting how we have had like such a variety of scores. So we're like, sometimes it seems like you know that uh, it falls a pattern for a while, and then you know Mike's the highest one on this one. So <laughs> yeah, I was the lowest one last time too. Last time I had ten. I mean, it was, was I just so it was a big swing, big swing. <laughs> eleven yeah. point swing there. <laughs> Okay, so the, our ending discussion here. Well, there's no unanswered questions that I could that we know of. I don't know. The, and we do have a lot of additions to <laughs> Sawyer's name dictionary. So, uh, you know, bear with me here. So for Kate, we have Little Lady. We have Sweetheart. And then for Ben, we've got George. We have for Danny, Chinatown. <laughs> Which was that a reference to the movie Chinatown? Um, and then Munson, we've got Costanza, <laughs> by far the best nickname of yes. all of Lost. Can't stand ya, can't stand ya. Then uh, for all, also for Munson, we he calls him punching bag, and he also calls him uh, Murgatoid. Am I saying yes. that right? Murgatoid. Murgatoid. Okay. And for the warden, we got Boss. And for Jack, we've got Doc. I like that Sawyer, even though like Jack's walking by with a bag over his head, he still has to yell Doc, not like, hey, Jack. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so then we also have our freckle count, which we were at 16. We had an additional three freckles in this episode, uh, three freckle nicknames. Uh she didn't just grow three freckles and <laughs> brings it up to 19 on the freckle count. So it's pretty great. Okay. And we've got some pop culture connections here. My first, my favorite one first Seinfeld uh, Sawyer calls Munson Costanza in reference to the character, George Costanza, George Lewis Costanza in this American sitcom from 1989 to 1998. Great character played by Jason Alexander. So good. So good. Uh, Snagglepuss, Sawyer calls Munson, uh, Murgatroyd, uh, in reference to this cartoon character, Heavens to Murgatroyd, uh, in this, in an American exclamation of surprise and, uh, dates, uh, from the mid 20th century. So I don't know what, you know, I do not remember this cartoon at all, but I do. You do? Okay. It was popularized by Snagglepuss, a regular on the Yogi Yogi Bear show in the 1960s. Okay, I did watch a lot of Yogi Bear. Not in the 1960s, but in like the 90s. So, um, uh, this one went a little over my head. So, oh, now I know why I call some Chinatown. I'm reading right here. I remember. So, Chinatown. Uh, Sawyer calls Pickett Chinatown 
in reference to the injured and bandaged nose of uh, <laughs> that Danny has. So in like the movie in Chinatown, the movie Jack Nicholson's character uh, Jack Giddies uh, gets his nose all cut up, and then for half of the movie he has this bandage. When it's uh, you know in 1974, this was kind of a like why would you have your main character, your handsome lead? have a bandage on their nose for half the movie that's so dumb like that's what people mm-hmm. kind of thought but it was you know it's obviously stayed in people's minds so and then we've got pulp fiction uh one of the others stabs slash injects sawyer in the sternum uh, he says like in that movie which is a reference to uh when uma thurman uh, gets the uh whatever adrenaline uh stabbed uh, uh a very famous scene uh one of the many chapters of Pulp Fiction. Then we've got Blue uh, Danube, Danube, or just sure. Danube. I don't know what to say that. Uh, another cartoon I'm unaware of. <laughs> Dang, I gotta work on my <laughs> cartoons from the 1940s, guys. <laughs> the <laughs> cartoon J- Jack uh, is watching is the second part of the Looney Tunes cartoon entitled A Corny Concerto in 1943. It features uh, a version of the Ugly Duckling. Well, I'm familiar with that one. Uh, and we've got On Writing, which I've heard of this as well. Uh, it's a memoir of the craft. The White Bunny numbered eight is a reference to Stephen King's autobiography. In Writing Guide, King describes a caged white rabbit with the n- number eight printed on it as an example of the power of words to transmit pictures transmit pictures and ideas that's really cool actually i've never yep. read that book i love stephen king though it's on my list to read uh, i've heard really good things so what a cool uh reference there that's like very direct <laughs> and then we've got of mice and men uh, of course sawyer reads this book while in prison he later references the book and ben quotes from it it is a 1937 depression era novel written by john steinbeck the book is critical of the American dream and of all dreams in general, suggesting that they're ultimately futile. Oh, that's sad. Uh, it's, a book. Fa- it, it's a good book. It's a good book. Uh, yes. Yeah, stare at the flowers. Uh, um, F- Father knows best. Sawyer asks Cassidy uh, what she expects from him um, to turn into father's father knows best. This uh, was a popular American TV and radio sitcom in the 1950s and 60s, which pro- portrayed an idealized version of the middle class American life um, in the era. So, yeah, like Sawyer was suddenly like, what, I'm going to just turn into Father Knows Best? Like, like, yep. Fat <laughs> chance of that. I'm, I still go by my nickname, Sawyer. <laughs> All right, Stephen. All right. You're up. What are we watching next? I know it's going to make you sad, but what are we watching next? Yeah, ne- next we're going to be watching The Cost of Living. Um, I'm not looking forward to the uh, in memoriam section of this next episode. So. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, Locke dies. No. <laughs> yeah, after after like one scene of Echo in the first or the last episode now. Uh, it's like so qu- I hate that this it's like so quick into the season, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I remember being very angry after this episode the, the first time I watched it. So we'll see how it holds up on rewatch. We will. I ought to give this one just to just give it a perfect score just because 
just to, just to irritate Steven next week. <laughs> Cost of living. Well, you know why? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good episode, but uh, what happens in the episode? Not, well, not a big fan. Not, not a big fan. Not a fan. Well, look, guys, <laughs> this has been previously on Lost, and we've exci- we've been we've, we've, we've excited to do this. We're moving right through season three, so uh, we hope you enjoy it. Cost of living next episode. So until next time, take care. And uh, if you get worked up, throw a cold bucket of water on your head. Cool down a little <laughs> bit and uh, enjoy yourself. So peace out, everybody. Yes, monitor that heart rate, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. Don't shake any bunnies. <laughs>